The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio, and uh, to all our friends in St. Helens, Oregon, listening to us on AM 1600, KOHI. Nice having you back with us, Exxon, uh, KOHI. We missed you guys. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is Brandon Masulo. Uh, he is a clinical therapist, parapsychologist, and author residing in Northeast Ohio. Fascinated by paranormal phenomena for more than 20 years, Brandon has been a participant in and featured speaker at numerous paranormal forums and events. He studied psychology and parapsychology at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. His research has been cited in numerous parapsychological journals, articles, and mainstream books. His website, Haunted Theories, Dot com and Brandon, welcome to the Exxon. It's great to be here. Thanks, Rob. Uh, so, what was it in the life of Brandon Masulo that uh, piqued the interest in the paranormal? <laughs> well, I, unfortunately, I don't have a cool uh, personal experience, or uh, that most people who get into the the field actually have. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, over a friend's house when I was probably, I think, in eighth grade, maybe freshman in high school. And his house was supposedly haunted. I didn't see anything, but one of my friends woke up in the middle of the night and had seen an apparition. And he started asking questions like, what are ghosts? Are they real? And I really didn't know the answers to that. So I actually went to uh, the library. Back then, the internet wasn't really that. There wasn't anything on the internet, really. Mm -hmm. So I had to go to the library. I picked up some books on parapsychology, started reading, went through numerous parapsychological books, um, and then next thing you know, I'm in college studying psychology and then I get, uh, my clinical de- degree and then, um, a blink of an eye, I'm in Scotland studying parapsychology wow. and that's where I did my research and, um, you know, just became more and more interested in it the longer I was around it and then, um, came back to the States and uh, wrote the book. So, that's it in a nutshell. I, I always tell people I wish I had some sort of cool, like I grew up in a haunted house and yeah. had all these ghosts around me type thing. But unfortunately, I'm kind of boring in that way. Uh, you have graduate degrees, like you said, in research and clinical psychology. How does that help you with your studying the paranormal? I, I, th- I actually think it's a really, really helpful part. Um, I, I think that because uh, sometimes when you think of, of um, and not everyone knows exactly what parapsychologists do, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it, it, there is a little bit of assessing people when you're talking about paranormal experiences and anything that's, that's sort of outside the realm of, of normal. So I think the clinical part really helps me um, sort of gauge uh, what's going on with the person. Um, so, you know, uh, in, with my undergraduate degree in psychology, um, I actually worked in the mental health field, and I still do work in the mental health field. I've conducted, I, I think I counted one time, somewhere around 5,000 evaluations, behavioral health consultations. Right. Um, so I, I've got that aspect of things down. And 
and you know I worked in emergency rooms, medical floors. Um, so I've I, I've kind of got a good idea of of ruling out mental illness when it comes to these things. And then the parapsychology part. And another thing with clinical psychology is just learning how to interview people, letting people talk, um, you know, empathetic listening. Mm -hmm. um, all that stuff is really important when you do clinical work. Uh, and then the, the parapsychology part of things. My degree is actually in research, uh, psychological research methods. So I didn't really just study all parapsychology. We studied... Um, you know, how to conduct experiments, um, uh, statistical analysis, those types of things with a specialization in parapsychology. Because really with parapsychology, you want to make sure you know how to conduct these type of experiments. Right. Uh, and that's why my degree was actually in psychological research methods. Um, so I have a little bit of the, the knowledge of the history of parapsychology, psi, thing, psi, ESP, a little bit of the clinical, and then a lot of the research part of things. So I think all those things come together, and it helps me take a level-headed approach towards uh, ghostly phenomenon and paranormal phenomenon. While studying parapsychology at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland, you conducted uh, research at one of Scotland's most haunted locations, and that is Mary King's Close. Can you tell us about the location and what your research entailed? Yeah, uh, Mary King's Close is on Edinburgh's Royal Mile, it's been featured on a lot of television shows, Ghost Hunters International, Most Haunted, Cities of the Underworld. Right. Um, it, it's actually, uh, it's like underground apartments and businesses that was used during the 1600s. So Mary King's Close, um, it, it's kind of shrouded in myths and urban legends. Supposedly many people were murdered down there. They, I, they say that when people had the plague, they were actually walled up in Mary King's Close. Mm. But I'm not sure how much of that is actually true. Um, but there is a lot of haunt type phenomenon at Mary King's Close. Um, so, uh, what, what I did my research on over there was something called environmental sensitivity. And, and that basically says, um, um, what I was really looking at was why some people are more prone to ghostly experiences. Um, and I found out through doing some research on other avenues and reading some journal articles that, um, there's an increased probability of having ghostly encounters. It doesn't really have to do with this psychic ability that a lot of people talk about, but it's something as simple as con and concrete as sort of our ability to taste, touch, and smell. And, and that's where environmental sensitivity comes into it. Um, so I, I just want to be clear, environmental sensitivity is not psychic sensitivity, uh, like Sylvia Brown and John Edwards and all that, or Chip Coffee. Um, those who are environmentally sensitive are kind of just affected by the environment to a higher degree than, than the normal population. Um, so me and you, we experience the world differently. Sure. You know, when I, me and my wife experience the world differently. When I walk into Sherwin-Williams, I see four colors of paint. She sees about 400 colors of paint because she knows white, egg white, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's true not only for sight or color perception, but for, um, smell, taste. Uh, and sometimes some people are better at, knowing what's going on in the atmosphere, uh, bar barometric pressure, uh, humidity. Some people actually respond to um, electricity in the air or have a, a electromagnetic sensitivity. So these people were having a lot more paranormal experiences, and that's really what my research really focused on over there. Um, so it, it was kind of a cool situation. Well, we found that um, kind of looking at the reasons of why these people have more paranormal experiences, why are they more prone to it? Um, what's their, is there certain conditions that correlate to it? Um, and that, that paper is free online. It's called environmental sensitivity and paranormal experiences. You could always look it up if you're ever interested in it. And usually people who are environmentally sensitive have a lot of migraines, a lot of allergies, fibromyalgia, those types of environmental illnesses. Fascinating. Mm. So let me ask you this, are ghosts real? Oh, boy, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I think that, um, I think, I guess it depends on what your definition of a ghost is. Well, you know, the I definition was... of the apparition that people see, uh, communication with the dead, uh, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and seeing a, uh, a portion of a person floating in your bedroom, you know, the typical stuff. Yeah, so an apparition, uh, to me, an apparition is like a ghost-like image. Mm-hmm. So you can have an apparition, and it could be of a person who's still alive. Right. There's there's crisis apparitions that happen all the time. You know, your wife is um, in a car accident, and 
you're sitting at home and you have a vision of her just standing in front of you with blood coming down her face. But then you learn she was in a car accident at the same time. So that's sort of an apparition in that way. Um, I believe that paranormal phenomenon do occur. I think that there's different levels of it. I, I don't, I, I look at things in terms of, are they, are there earthbound spirits that are coming down and communicating with us who are trapped here and can't move on? I don't know the answer to that one. Um, because it's tough for me to at least look at it from a research standpoint and sort of validate things right. like that. Yeah. Um, I, I look at things more like, uh, could the environment hold events like telepathic messages or could there be something in the environment, whether it's consciousness that people can sometimes tap into? I, I think a lot of the paranormal phenomenon that exists out there is sort of this ability of sometimes people of just getting a snapshot or picking up on something that's in the atmosphere. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, like I talked about, crisis apparitions, mm -hmm. telepathy, the psi hypothesis is a big one um, in parapsychology, which um, a, a lot of the parapsychologists believe could be happening when it comes to apparitions. So if I, if I define ghosts as a ghost-like image, um, I could have a number of ways of describing what that is. All right, I have uh, to I, ask you to hold on. We've got to take our break. Exxon oh, Nation, sure. our guest this hour, is Brandon Masulo, and his website is www.hauntedtheories.com. And uh, we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Gwilda Wiaka's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of The Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest, and armed with over 40 years' experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Gwilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold. Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible, and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk.
Welcome back, everyone. Brandon Masulo is our special guest this hour. His website is www.hauntedtheories.com. And we're talking to Brandon about his new book entitled The Ghost Studies, New Perspectives on the Origins of Paranormal Experiences. And once again, his website is hauntedtheories.com. Is it possible, Brandon, based on the research that you have done, that the paranormal may not be paranormal at all, but part of uh, normality, but in a section of normality that we have yet to discover? Yeah, I, I actually, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think a lot of people, when you say discover, I, I mm-hmm. think a lot of people have been talking about like things like psi, like telepathy and ESP. Oh, sure. Um, but you're right. No one's been able to really um, prove it exists yeah. or validate it or, you know, scientifically come to a conclusion 100% that it's out there fact-wise. But I think that those types of things really play a huge part in paranormal phenomenon. The tricky thing is what the scientific method is, especially when it comes to ghostly encounters, are, um, you know, these encounters are erratic, sporadic, um, poorly documented, mm-hmm. um, you know, unable to be unable to happen on a consistent basis, which is basically everything that the scientific method hates. So studying these types of things that are random uh, happen mm-hmm. whenever, even sometimes out of our conscious ability, it's tough to to put a, someone in a lab or in a in a, a room and have them reliably do that so i think that's where you know it becomes challenging to validate these things so you go with um a lot of firsthand experiences or reports um but you know i just watched uh oh gosh it was probably a couple months ago i watched um a presentation and one of the one of the presenters actually had a a video on and it was actually quoting the um, the president of the american statistical association uh, Jessica Utz. And one of the things that she said was, and this is, uh, I think I'm getting this quote pretty right, is that the evidence for Psy is quite strong statistically and would be widely accepted if it was related to something mundane. So to me, that's a big, that's a big, hey, this is out there. Why aren't we, why isn't this becoming more of a normal as opposed to an abnormal when you have the president of the American Society for Statistics saying something like that? Well, why should it be? If she's just giving statistical analysis instead of proof, why should anybody take it serious? Well, the statistical analysis is a series. I mean, they do meta-analysis mm-hmm. of experiments on psi, yeah. remote viewing, ESP. So with the meta-analysis, they're combining 50, 60 studies and seeing if they're significant. But you see, John Q. Public isn't interested in that. John Q. Public wants to see the facts. They want to see the ghosts. They want to see the, the actual paranormal event occurring. They want to see the UFO. They want to see the Bigfoot. They're not interested in facts and figures. They want proof, like the old lady in the Wendy's commercial, where's the beef? That's right. Yeah, and I would argue that it's not just John Q. Public. A lot of mainstream society wants a, a personal experience or some sort of Mm-hmm. Um, validation through something like a personal experience to to say it's proof. You know, I've been doing, when you read something, yeah. you don't really it doesn't really resonate with you until it's something happens to you. You know, I've been doing the show for twenty eight years this year, mm-hmm. five nights a week, four hours a night. Uh, let's see, that's twenty guests a week. And whether it's the UFO phenomenon, Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster, Lake monsters, um, ancient mysteries. Ghosts, hauntings, demonic possession. Nothing has changed over 20 years, 28 years. There has been no evidence brought forward in any of these uh, different venues to substantiate the claims being made by the people who are just involved in this beyond belief. People say, Rob, if you don't believe, why are you doing your show? It's very simple. I want to believe. I want to believe. And If there is someone out there or something out there with the proof that is required to to give credit to the claims, I want to find it. I guess I I would respond. What would convince you? Like what evidence do you need? Because obviously you said statistics and meta-analysis. Those things aren't going to convince you. What's going to convince you? 
Well, it's very simple. If there are claims of UFOs, I want to see a real UFO. You know, like, why don't they land? Why don't they make themselves known? Why is it only a select percentage of the population that actually see these things? The same thing goes for Bigfoot. Why haven't we found a Bigfoot corpse anywhere? When we talk about lake monsters, we have the most... If we can find a, a Russian sub beneath the ocean, why can't we find Loch Ness Monster? If there are ghosts, why can't we get the physical evidence to prove their existence? With modern technology, if we can, if we can read a watch from a satellite orbiting Earth, why can't we find a ghost? Why can't we find a UFO? Why can't we get the proof that will satisfy the non-believers? There's either one of two answers. They exist or they don't. And I want to find out which one it is. I, I guess I would say, well, you think that the technology is... Because I don't, I don't know anything about... I'll be honest with you. I don't know much about UFOs, Bigfoots, mm-hmm. or okay. lake monsters, unfortunately, uh, or demons. Um, but, you know, when it, when, it, when it comes to hauntings and ghosts, mm-hmm. obviously, it sounds like you're, you, you rely heavily on what technology tells you. Well, I, I believe in evidence. As a, as a former police investigator, uh-huh. I rely on evidence. I okay. rely on the facts. Hearsay evidence to me means very little unless it's supported by evidence. If I see when I was working on the force, if somebody had the heck beat out of them, they said John Q did it. Well, then I know, you know, you bring in John Q and you do the questioning. And if he did do it, he was charged, plain and simple. But when it comes to the paranormal, it seems like it's a little social club. People go out chasing ghosts, hunting ghosts. You know, you've got all these wacko TV shows out there doing all this so-called reality TV that is anything but real. It's, it's fulfilling a need in, in society at this point because there's a lot of negativity. And if people, and this is my opinion, if people, people can claim that ghosts are real, that life surpasses death, it gives them something to hope for. You know, it's just like people who go to psychics and, and shell out good money mm-hmm. for a bunch of hocus-pocus. Yeah. It's a, it's a placebo effect. Like with over 13,000, 13,000 ghost groups in the United States, oh, wow. 1,500 groups just in South L.A. alone. Why hasn't there been the proof? How come nobody's got the proof that this is real? And then my question to them is, all right, you prove your ghosts are real. What next? Uh, we don't know. Yeah. So what are you doing it I, for? You know? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess you can say they're spinning their wheels mm. um, to some degree. I, you know, when you look at things, when you take a, like it sounds like you're doing a lot of taking a step back and looking at things like on a, ma- on a macro level. Um, you, you know, a lot of things, let me ask this. Sure. Do you believe in, in love? Do you love somebody? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, prove to me that love exists. Are you a father? No. Well, let me tell you something, young man. I've got six children, ten grandchildren. And the moment I was told by my wife that she was having a little one, that little one started to be loved. When I first held my daughter... Love was there. I could see the love. I could feel the love. When she comes to me, when she comes to me and says, Daddy, I love you, I can see that love. Yeah. But here, here, here's what I'm saying. That's your subjective experience. You could see it. You could feel it. Yes. But there's no evidence. Oh, sure there is. Sure there is. My daughter is a living person. We're not talking about a spook that can't be seen or is invisible and only seen by certain people. I'm not talking about your daughter. I'm talking about the, the feeling of love. So how does this relate the to the feeling of feeling. a paranormal experience? Well, because how you described love mm-hmm. was a subjective. Um, when I saw her, I, I knew yeah, it. Yeah. I felt it. When people have paranormal experiences, it's the same thing that you describe love. But you I, see, my I, daughter, I, I, my daughter I is... I felt something. It was around me. I had a sense of 
belonging, whatever, a sense of a But presence. there's a big difference as far as I'm concerned when you're talking about loving a child or loving another person or even disliking a person than an imaginary or something that cannot be seen, felt, heard, that something that is just in that person's mind, which brings me to the next point. How do we know that the manifestation of any uh, ghost or apparition is not within the mind of the person and has no actual ties to reality? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some cases where you can't, there's no way to yeah. rule that out, you know. But when I, I want to clarify that when when I talk about love, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not talking about that you can't love another person. I'm saying that, that proving something like a feeling, like, I don't know if it's, well, I guess love would be a feeling. All right, stand by. We've got to come back on the other side of this break. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is Brandon Masulo. I'm sorry, Brandon. His website is hauntedtheories.com, and we'll be back after this break. Don't go away. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com.
Welcome back, everyone. Brandon Masulo is our guest this hour, www.hauntedtheories.com. You know, there, there is so much controversy about the paranormal these days because of all the different TV shows that are on, the different groups that are out there, you know, chasing around after ghosts. And uh, it, it, the paranormal, I think, has suffered a big blow because it's turned into a business instead of anything else. Yeah, I, I would agree 100%. Yeah. And I think when you when you watch these uh, when you watch TV shows, some, you know, some of them can be very entertaining mm-hmm. and and I think a lot of them do play a a pretty good role in, in that they provide support for people who might be going through, you know, what they perceive to be a, a paranormal experience or or something like that, but right. more or less, you know, I it, it it has become somewhat overwhelming that, you know, um People are charging two, three hundred dollars to these paranormal enthusiasts to come research a house for yeah. four hours or something like that, or you know these hotels or we're the most haunted hotel here, most haunted hotel there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no real way to say what's the most haunted place, so it becomes a little disheartening. And even the TV shows are just formulas uh, over and over and again. And they just stress. Sometimes they just stress the EVPs and the the machines that make noises. Yeah. Which, when you do actual research in a haunted locations, it's a lot different than than what you see on TV. It's a lot more boring, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree that the, I think when when things become more business, then it takes away a little bit of um, credibility. Credibility, yeah, I was going to say seriousness, but credibility is a better word. Let me the ask credibility you, of the field. Let me ask you this: You're a professional. Why would somebody go to um, a, a ghost hunter instead of seeking professional help from a person like yourself if they have had a paranormal experience that is bothering them? I wish I knew the answer to that. I think it's easier. You know, if you type in something on the internet, it goes right to your local ghost hunters. Um, and, you know, I, I think that a lot of them have on their websites this this notion of being extremely professional. And I, maybe some of them are. I don't know. I mm-hmm. mean, you, you mentioned like 1,300 in no, LA 13, alone. Yeah, yeah, 1,500 in southern LA. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's, I didn't realize there were that many of them. Um, but I think it's just ease, you know. And um, they just type something in. It comes to their local ones. They just send an email out to them. Next thing you know, they're at their door. But but uh, once again, finding a, me is a lot more challenging probably but, than that. But you know, you've gone through university. You've done your degrees. You know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. You are responsible to those that seek your help, right? You have ethics that have to be followed. There, there yes. is. You know, you're a professional. And I think what really upsets me the most is that you have people who are going to these unqualified people who are then in turn giving these people psychological help without yeah. knowing what damages they could be doing to these people. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, you, the worst is when, especially if you end up in someone's home who mm-hmm. is not you know, mentally stable and you tell them there's ghosts or demons in yeah. their house, um, obviously you're going to exacerbate those symptoms pretty intensely and, you know, you're going to, and you might validate some delusions that they have. And then they say, well, you know, I don't need my medications because there actually are demons in my house telling exactly. me to do this. And, and I think that these, a lot of these, these people, they have, they have passion and they have mm-hmm. this idea that they're helping people, but you could really do a lot of damage. And, and I think that. Um, you have to pump the brakes anytime you deal with somebody, especially in their home, um, when it comes to talking about demons or ghosts yeah. or anything like that. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, the TV shows, they don't, there's no one on there that's a professional. They don't ever say anything like you should, cons- maybe they do, you should consult a professional or something like that. I haven't like seen that. any of huh? Yeah. Listen, uh, you know, you introduced two very interesting theories to account for ghostly encounters. Uh, can you tell us about the one that you call spontaneous apparitional trace theory, or SAT, or ghostly ingredients theory? It. Uh, yeah. So in the in the book, uh, there's a couple of theories that I um, 
kind of developed over the last uh, you know 10 years or so and and really what the ghost ingredients theory says is that you know um spontaneous ghostly encounters uh can sometimes are more or less in a way um kind of like telepathy in disguise Mm -hmm. um and and when i say that i mean um there's a lot of complex processes that are happening when these paranormal phenomena are are occurring and you know sometimes these processes or a lot of these processes are actually a combination of psychological processes human bioenergetic processes and the external environmental um, atmosphere and it's a combination of these three which kind of lead to a, a genuine spontaneous paranormal experience so you know i know i know we don't have a lot of time to go over these things but uh, in the book, I kind of discuss a little bit about and I give some case examples of what really happens um, to what's the catalyst to a lot of these spontaneous or these crisis apparitions and deathbed visions. Uh, and I kind of break it down as best I can. And I also provide a lot of research about how um, tele- telepathy might involve or how it might work and things like that. Um, spontaneous apparitional trace theory or SAT is basically my theory on what happens with residual hauntings and it's kind of this it's kind of a mix of imprint theory um and um telepathy more or less that it's not a tragedy that's burned into the environment but more like a um a lingering telepathic message that some people pick up on so what i do is i kind of take what i kind of take these crisis apparitions and i kind of take hauntings Mm -hmm. i give some examples and then I go over what the research out there really um, says on this. And then I kind of give some of my thoughts on it. A lot of books will give you scary ghost stories, uh, and then they just sort of leave you there. In this book, I go over maybe some possible explanations for it. And again, a lot of the, sometimes the explanation could be something that has to do with um, something that's not paranormal. You know, it could be um, reality testing deficits. It could be um, mental illness. It could be this. It could be that. So I think it's important to when you when you have an encounter to look at all the possible ways of what's going on. Uh, I try to leave out this idea that it's an earthbound spirit coming back and communicating with us because I think that's I'll leave that to the to other people who want to go down that road. And I sort of focus more on the parapsychological things, the psi hypothesis right. that are going on. What role does uh, energy, electricity, and EMF meters play in ghostly encounters? Well, God, it depends on who you ask, right? I'm asking you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, when it comes to the, these types of things, I, I think that the EMF meters have become so commonplace now that um, stepping away from electromagnetic fields uh, is a is a challenging thing to do when it comes to um, ghostly encounters. I mean, we're we're sort of surrounded by electrical and magnetic fields from toasters to TV lamps to TVs. Mm-hmm. Um, so since we're constantly bombarded with these things, there's a lot of research out there that says um, that EMFs uh, can actually cause ghostly experiences. In other words, it's a natural explanation for a paranormal um, event you know Michael Persinger did a lot of research on this Mm -hmm. where uh, you know he zapped people with EMFs Um, zap I mean more technical than that but he zapped people with EMFs and then they had sense of a presence hallucination um, those type of experiences so that's a common thing that could happen if you're if I won't say common but it could Mm -hmm. happen if magnetic fields could manipulate us in that way there's the other side of the coin is that you know ghosts use the energy to manipulate and manifest themselves so i think electricity emfs mm-hmm. uh, emf meters there's a correlation between this and there's research out there that says um, places that are magnet magnetically remarkable in some way there's more paranormal phenomenon happening there now is that because it's a natural cause to it or is that related to the paranormal uh, i think it's hard to parse those things out so i go over a lot of um, cases in the book and I try to parse it out as best I can and I think a lot of what I do in the book is I just try to give a lot of education on what is electricity what are EMF meters what are they designed to do um, what are they not designed to do and then I kind of go over a little bit more about um, how the atmosphere plays a role in, in everything everything we basically do how mm-hmm. um, it's important for us for living um, we need magnetic fields we got to have them to survive if we don't have them then 
we're going to have some problems. Brandon, stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exxon okay. Nation, Brandon Masulo is our special guest. www.hauntedtheories.com. And we're talking about his new book, The Ghost Studies, New Perspectives on the Origins of Paranormal Experiences. I'm Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exxon radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at elizabeth.joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From out of the woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www williamspeckham.com Welcome back. I think I went out with her in my school days. You know. No, that's not the kind of aliens that Trump is talking about, Craig. No. Explanation, my guest this hour is Brandon Masulo. He is the author of The Ghost Studies, New Perspectives on the Origins of Paranormal Experiences, and his website is www.hauntedtheories.com. Here's a question for you. It seems that there is a correlation between the increase in paranormal activity being reported and the increase 
in cell towers that have been put up. Has anyone been able to do a study to confirm this? No. No, I I didn't even know there was a correlation with that. I had That's the first I've ever heard of that, Rob. I apologize. Yeah, I don't <laughs> No, no, no no need to apologize. No need to apologize. Yeah. I I found it rather astounding and yet when I when we did a fast fast survey with the with the cases that we were aware of, you know, it's it's astounding. You should check it out, my friend. Yeah, I'll have yeah. to look into Be, that. Because, I, because we know that microwaves and EMFs can cause hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, mm. it, when you when you look at it in an, an actual house, um, the, the EMF fields have to be pretty complex, pretty right. fluctuating. They have to be, you know, um, I guess erratic and unique in that way. But they do happen between 10 milligauss and 40 milligauss, which is something we come across on a pretty daily basis. Um, so these, if you're, I guess if the more cell towers that go up, the more, mm -hmm. like you said, there are more fields there are in the environment, the more possibilities of something like yeah. that happening. I, I guess I can see that. Let me ask you something. When, when investigators are using the EMF meters, do they take into consideration that their own bodies are emitting EMFs? And that if they get excited, they reading a, they start emitting a higher field. You know, I when I these the EMFs that the people buy, they don't really look into them at all. Um, some EMFs are are single axis, some are triple axis, mm -hmm. some are frequency weighted, some are not frequency weighted. So you don't really know what you're measuring. I'll be honest with you, you just sort of have a basic idea. Some of them are sensitive enough to pick up. The you know, human electrical um, fields, if you want to say it like that. Right. So I, I don't think a lot of them do know that. I think the um, sometimes people just buy the one that's the most expensive and think it's the most reliable, um, or the ones that's advertised the most. So um, I don't think sometimes they know that. And but again, you know, an EMF meter is not going to pick up a ghost. Um, it could pick up an abnormality that you can't explain mm -hmm. that can further lead you to the idea that there could be something paranormal going on. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's when you really get into what EMFs do and what they measure and the differences mm -hmm. between them, it, it can be mind boggling. So in your, it really can. so in your opinion, as a professional, what would lead you to the conclusion that an actual paranormal event is taking place? I, I I think there's a lot of things. Um, mm -hmm. the, the the witness. Uh, I I if it's a spontaneous case, it happens once. There's no suggestibility. In other words, if I go into a haunted place and I stay in the most haunted hotel room and I hear a noise, I think it's going to be a ghost. So, it, to me, witnesses that are reliable, um, it's spontaneous. It happens without cue. Um, I don't think there's a physical thing that we could measure saying a ghost exists, but uh, like EMFs or anything like that. So I think that the witness, the account, sometimes if another per person witnesses it, that's another strong uh, indicator that something could have happened. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more I'm more involved in the human dynamics of things than I am more in the technical ghost gadget type things as well right now. So I, I really think that those three things are the most important when it comes to verifying something paranormal could be going on. So do you have any advice for someone who is interested in studying parapsychology? Get out of the United States. That's my advice. There's really no programs in the United States that really take parapsychology seriously. There are a handful. Um, uh, I think University of West Virginia has some areas of that. But really overseas in the United Kingdom, there's a lot more opportunities to study parapsychology. It's a lot more... Um, it's a lot more accepted than it is here in the States. I think the States still considers it a pseudoscience. Um, so it's it's more challenging here in the States. Um, so I would really say get a strong degree, like in clinical counseling, psychology, something you can sort of rely on. And then when you have time or if you have time, then you can pursue parapsychology. It sounds kind of pessimistic that I say that, but I don't make money off parapsychology. I make money off my other degrees, which is clinical. You, you make um, money on your day job. Yeah, I make money on my day job. <laughs> like I don't like this book. No, I'm not making money off this book. Yeah. Um, I'm still, you know, going over and studying parapsychology and psychological research method helped me in my other career, mm -hmm. but I'm not, um, I'm not, 
you know, at a university teaching parapsychology here in the States. I'm, I'm doing more clinical work. So get a strong, get a degree that's something you can do. Psychology is a good degree. And then if you have time, then you go get your master's or PhD in, in parapsychology if you want to do that. Where do you see the field of paranormal investigation or ghost hunting in the next 10 years, Brandon? You know, I, th I think that um, with the advent of, of all these um, gadgets like our iPhones mm -hmm. and the ability to sort of track how we are 24-7, you know, because paranormal phenomena happen outside the laboratory, laboratory more than inside the laboratory, yep. I, I think that if, if we have, if our technology gets to the point where we can actually measure our um, EEGs or EKGs or heart rates or whatever other um, biological um, indicators on a 24-7 basis, we might be able to actually um, record some important data that's going on not only in the environment but internally when someone has um, a ghostly encounter and we can get more data like that and then we can start seeing some correlations and, and then, you know, who knows from there. I think consciousness, I think that's a big thing that's, that's happening in the last five or so years. I think more mainstream scientists are open to the idea that, you know, consciousness may not be um, internal. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be something that's external. It's the whole mind-body question. Right. And I think, I think that that avenue of science, so if consciousness is outside of our, our bodies or our minds, I, that opens the door to these paranormal things like telepathy, ESP, near-death experiences, ghosts, apparitions. So I, I like where that research is going. Uh, I was an ardent skeptic for a while. So I've moved a little bit towards the possibility of this happening and being genuine ph phenomenon. And I think with more information that's coming out, I think we can move a little bit closer to that. Will we have evidence of a, of a ghost or whatever in five, 10 years? Uh, most likely not. But consciousness is really where I think it's at. And I strongly believe in my book, I, I really emphasize consciousness and entanglement, non-locality. That's where the field is going. So let me ask you, when it comes to ghosts, are you a skeptic or are you a believer? Um, I believe, because I get that question all the time, mm -hmm. do ghosts exist? Do you believe in ghosts? And I think that to me, the big question is, do, do I believe that people experience apparitions or ghostly phenomenon? Yes, I do. I well, wait a sec. Whoa, 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 wait, wait a sec. Hold on. There are people who believe they say pink elephants with polka dots. Do you believe them? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So... Uh, I'll get to my point. You, you nailed me on that one. Um, <laughs> so what I like to do is, is start with the person and the mm -hmm. witness, and then I go from there. I do believe paranormal phenomenon exists, um, and I do believe it's something that, that's worth researching. Um, I, like I said before, I've never had a genuine paranormal experience or a ghostly encounter, but like I, we were talking about before, I've read the research. I know that there's some a lot of good research and stats that say that ESP, psi, telepathy, there's there's a chance that this is going on. There's oh. a high chance that this is going on. Hey, listen, I, I will agree with you. I, I believe that there is that ESP is real. I mm -hmm. believe that telepathy is real. Mm -hmm. I believe telekinesis is real. I believe there's a lot of 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 power to the mind that we have yet to discover. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to ghosts or seeing grandma who's been dead for 20 years or 30 years or mm. or seeing the ghost of a how come nobody ever sees a ghost of a neanderthal or a or a dinosaur or anything way back from then you know the early days it's always you know i i think the earliest that i've heard a ghost being seen of is at gettysburg yeah. yeah, that's usually the most common one, that's yeah. for sure. Hey, listen, Brandon, we've got to say so long for tonight. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on your book. And Exonation, you. if you'd like to get more information about Brandon Masulo, visit his website at hauntedtheories.com. That's www.hauntedtheories.com. The name of Brandon's book is The Ghost Studies, New Perspectives on the Origins of Paranormal Experiences. Well, talking about paranormal experiences, we have to take our break at the top of the hour. And when we come back, more from the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here in the X-Zone. After all, this is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. But 
that doesn't mean I'm going to believe everything they tell me. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to question them. And as you've seen in the past, that doesn't mean the guest comes back after a commercial break. We'll be back, Exxon Nation. This is the Exxon. Rob McConnell. Visit us at xzbn.net. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464. 